0: Well, listen, I'm going to start a new series. Before I do, I just want to, say, uh, I want to say thank you to everybody in this room, to those watching online, to those who may hear this in the future that's a part of our body. Um, down in Largo, Florida today, we had a guy by the na- name of Je- Jeff Grinnell. He is uh, one of the foremost voices to young people in our generation, without question. He just did a, a youth conference with 8,000 teenagers in it. Wow is right. Wow. Uh, so he's speaking at our church in Largo, Florida. I plan on inviting him to come out here to Colorado uh, to speak to our church here. One of, the, one of the things that I desire to do more than anything is to put in front of you anointed voices that will help to uh, hit the mark for you where your relationship with Christ is concerned, that will hit the mark where your giftings and your callings are concerned. And I will tell you that Jesus, when he... Designed the church when he determined how the church would be built, that it would be built uh, by what is known as the fivefold ministry, we'll call it, by apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. Now, let me say this, that Jesus was all of those. Can I get an amen? I am not. I do not have all five of those giftings functioning in me. Uh, I'll give you a quick lesson in that. Say apostle. Uh, we're going to have to get busy. Say apostle. Say prophet, say evangelist, pastor, and teacher. So apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, and teacher. We'll do it on this hand, right? An apostle governs or sets an order as a sent one that will establish structure so that the church can exist as a community, right? We'll go into places, uh, if you will, that need to have proper government, proper structure. How many know that God, everything he does is decently and in order? God is a God of order a prophet so watch this, say governs prophet governs or excuse me an apostle governs a prophet hold up your pointer to say this is pointer this is point y'all remember that right no you don't remember that nursery song yeah oh okay well you know anyway do you call this your pointer finger let me ask you that much how many use this finger on your mouse ding, tink tink yeah a prophet guides a prophet sees and and speaks to the church and equips the church so that we know where we're going an evangelist hold up your middle well don't hold up your middle finger (laughs) hold all your fingers up and point to that one like this not the other way around if you will but the longest finger on your hand the evangelist equips the saints to understand what it is to reach out and gather in a harvest of souls amen the pastor, or where we put the ring finger where it comes to marriage, we tend to call the love gift to the bride. The apostle governs, the prophet guides, the evangelist gathers, the pastor guards, and then the teacher, your small finger. How many of you take your thumb when your ear, inside of your ear is itching and you dig in your, your ear with your thumb? How many of you, it's little enough to get in there and, right? Teacher has a way of opening the ears of people and grounding them, grounding you in the word of God. Oftentimes, uh, I will do the outlines the way that I do to give you structure so that when you go out of here, you don't just walk out. Man, I was so inspired. Uh, When I would preach primarily in my giftings, which Angie will tell me, like, I just want you to preach. Stop doing the outlines where you point by point. I'm like, I need people to go out with something that they can apply. Come on, somebody. So we might be able to teach. Now let me tell you something else about that and how God designed the church, that apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. So they equip the saints for the work of the ministry. They equip the saints for the work of the ministry. Till we all come to the unity, the faith, to the fullness of the stature of one man, even Christ, who is the head of the church. Now this is important regarding what I'm about to teach you today because I want you to say this with me. Christ is the anointed one. And when I'm under him, come on, be with me. And when I'm under him, I I am anointed. When you get under the anointed one, you walk in an anointing that you're never going to have unless you are under him. And so he gives the fivefold ministry to equip us for the work of the ministry till we come to the unity of faith. In other words, we're standing up on our feet. We're assembled together. Every gift that we have, unique and different, but anointed just alike my anointing is no greater than your anointing and your gifting In other words, we function by the unction that the holy spirit gives us and if you understand it's when the holy spirit comes and fills us comes upon us that we are anointed by the anointed one it's the reason he prayed to the father that he would send the holy spirit why i won't leave you orphans i'm going to establish that you're a part of the family and that you're not just part of the family, but you're a, a part of the family with a purpose. Can I get an amen? And so, uh, apostles, let's do this. Apostles will develop an apostolic church. Apostles will establish in the church, equip the saints to embrace a mindset of being apostolic. An apostle is a sent one. So why do we go to Largo, Florida to help that church from shutting down? To see something established there that's beyond our borders. Because Jesus said, go, say go. Go. Jesus said to go into all the world. He didn't say to stay in your local place. He said to go, amen. And while we may not be all able to go physically, right, when we go with support or we send out, come on, apostolic, sent out ones and they go into another place, they establish the same faith that we have here in Christ in another location. Can you say amen? Now we had, uh, are the Jacksons back this week? I don't think they are. Uh, the Jacksons, which Ashley's been up here, she uh, sings in worship. Darcy plays in worship. Uh, you'll see Don Jackson walking around, snapping photos. Aaron serves in a lot of different places. Well, they were down there because Ashley had a performance, an ice, ice skating um, show. She, she does, uh, what do you call that? Uh, figure skating. Thank you very much. She's a figure skater. She does a, she's really, it's really cool what she does. But she had that gathering down there um, where she was performing. And so they came in on the Saturday, and what they did is they came to church on Sunday, and Darcy and Ashley from our congregation here was on the platform down there helping Jake and the team to lead worship for the congregation in Largo. When we had our youth event down there, there were many people who went down there and and served that location. Now, I want to tell you that next year it'll be coming here. Come on, somebody, give me an amen. We're going to do something in the mountains with the youth, and we're going to bring the youth from there and some of the team from there. There's a beauty in the church, seeing the church for what Christ meant it to be, that it's not just isolated in its, in its own place. How many know the church is not meant to be um, inward focused, it me- is meant to be outward focused? The, the, the only end that we have is that end of being built up in our most holy faith, that end of being taught. That end of being loved by one another, that end uh, end of being encouraged by one another so that we can go out. There's a purpose behind all the things that are happening in and it's not meant to stay in, it's meant to go out. Amen? So apostles make an apostolic church or equip a church to be apostolic. A prophet equips uh, believers to be prophetic. Say prophetic. Prophecy is edification, exhortation, and comfort. That you actually would speak into the lives of those around you as God inspires you. You see somebody going through a hard time and you feel this prompting, say anointing. You feel this prompting by the Holy Spirit, you should go pray for them. You you should go give them a word of encouragement. I'm telling you when you're obedient in those moments, the Holy Spirit will sit down and that anointing will come upon them. We're going to see today a little bit more about why it's important. The anointing needs to be new all the time it needs to be fresh it's something that we should never never live on old experiences in christ we should allow those experiences that we've had inspire us to move to the next one in other words what god and i have there's this end thing that's like wow god this was amazing when you did this da 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 and and i'm inspired in my relationship But I'm not not meant to keep that for myself. I'm meant to take that and go give it to someone else and walk in the anointing that he has given me. Can you say amen? Now, just in in a matter of giving you updates, you know, reports, I want you to know the work that we're doing down there. Uh, Here's the thing I face the most. When I go to Florida and I preach, oftentimes what happens, they'll come up, you know, everybody else is good, but... We really like it when you're here. And you know what I get here a lot of times? Anyone? Anyone? Yeah, we, we like the others, but we really like it when you're here. Now here's what I'll say. Is there's an element of seasoning in walking your, in your anointing. One of the reasons why that is is because I speak with authority when I speak. And that comes because I've exercised the gift that God has given me As a preacher of the gospel now in that it's this not about me and this is what I'm trying to point out is that I have exercised the gift therefore I have learned to yield to the Holy Spirit even as my outline right now I'm sharing things that I did not write down that I did not think about in the course of opening up this series but as I stepped into the pulpit today I sensed the Holy Spirit come an anointing come and there's things that the Spirit wants to speak to the church and learning to yield ourselves to allow God, come on, to have our members for His service is so, so important to develop in life. I wanna tell you that most people never get there. And the reason why they don't get there is they're not willing to pay the price. Let me tell you, it's gonna take time of solitude with the Lord, that you gotta get alone with the Lord and you gotta spend time with Him. Let me tell you, you gotta wrestle through your flesh we're going to see a little bit more about that today you got to wrestle through those things it's this is what i think and and maybe i should do this and maybe i should do that and in prayer like like uh jacob right when he wrestled with god the bible says that he wrestled with god it was the angel of the lord and he wrestled with god say wrestle how many wrestlers do we have in here whoever wrestled before a few of you was in wrestling so you were in wrestling Can we say there's a lot of grappling and wrestling, right? Grabbing a hold of and right, right, maneuvering and Jacob was wrestling with God and it's the angel of the Lord. Here's what happens: The angel says, let me go for the day breaketh. The day is breaking. See, angels ascend and descend as the day breaks when the dawn comes. You hearing me here? That there's something that goes on. Hey, you know, when you set out and you see the sunrise, you're like, wow, you're just amazed by it. Just know that there's also a wow in the spiritual realm of angels that have come on assignment to do the work of the Lord. They're all ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. I want to ask you, are you an heir of salvation today? Oh, wow, I'm really concerned. Are you an heir of salvation? Did Jesus die on the cross for you? Angels have come to minister to you. And that angel was there. And the wrestling that's going on is Jacob is asking for a blessing. He, he surpl- Jacob means sneaky surplanter. His name meant sneaky surplaner. What did he do? He stole his brother's birthright. If you ever go back, read the story of Esau and Jacob. And what happens is, is Jacob, he was fair in skin, had you know, he didn't ever have to go get his back waxed. Let's just say it that way. He didn't have a bunch of hair on his body. Now, Esau was a little more, you know, kind of hairy is what the Bible says. And so he takes lamb skins and straps them to his arms so when he goes in to feed his father as he's getting ready to pass away, his father feels his arms. and says, my blessing Esau, my oldest, my firstborn. You are know, like, well... You know, you feel like Esau and, you, you know, um, I can't remember. Something else about Esau and then all of a sudden, but, but, but the voice, his voice was different. Yet, yet uh, um, he was blessed by Isaac. Isaac gives him the firstborn's blessing. Now, here's the thing. To understand that what took place before that, Jacob's like, I'm going to get this birthright. Why? Esau comes back from hunting one time and he's tired and he's hungry famished is what the Bible says. And he says to to Jacob, he says, "Uh, give me a pot of porridge. Because Jacob had been preparing porridge. He'd been preparing chili for us, a pot of chili. And what happens is, is he gets back, he's hungry. He said, man, give me some of that. He goes, no. He's like, come on, I'm hungry. I'm paraphrasing and giving you the story of it. And I'm hungry, give me something to eat. And Jacob says, give me your birthright and I'll give you something to eat. Esau gave his birthright away for a pot of chili. And let me say today that we often give our birthright of the anointing away for carnal things. We choose the carnal over the spiritual, and what ends up happening is we have no anointing on our life. We can't speak the words of God with authority and love in the midst of that authority. I hope you hear that today that while I speak with authority, I want you to know it's for your good to know how to be under the anointing of the Holy Spirit, amen? Because there's what you can accomplish, and then there's what God can accomplish through you. That only happens by the anointing that he's placed on your life. You gotta learn how to listen to the Spirit and function out of that unction, because it will accomplish things you can never accomplish for yourself, amen? Now, I don't think I skipped over anything when I was sharing that, did I? Is there anything you're sitting there thinking, well, why didn't he say this? No? A few things? That's fine. My wife normally will say, why didn't you finish that story? Oh, yes, let's do that. That's why I do that. I don't normally do that, but I want to do it. So apostle governs, right? Um, he, he equips a church to be apostolic. A prophet guides. He equips the church to be Prophetic. See, apostle, apostolic, prophet, prophetic. Not everybody's a prophet, but as Paul the Apostle said, you can all prophesy one at a time. You can hear God's voice. Did you know that? And if you hear God's voice, what happens is is it will cause you to minister to other people, edification, exhortation, and comfort. The evangelist will teach or equip the church to be evangelistic. We understand this wonderful salvation that we enjoy, that we know that we have eternal life is not for us to keep it to ourselves. We are to go into all the world and preach the gospel, to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. If you haven't been baptized in water, I want to say this to you. Make sure you talk to one of us because that's one of the first steps you take when you profess to believe in Jesus Christ. Baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy. And then it says pastors will baptize them, or you know, um, staff members will baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. No, go is to every believer in this room and all around the world. It's not just meant for, for pastors or shepherds to baptize people. You are meant to live out the gospel in that way. That you lead your friend to Christ, I want to see you baptize your friend. Why? You've been their primary influence where Christianity is concerned, where Christ is concerned. So you should be the one to continue that journey with them. And then out of that, guess what? It's important. You remember the roadmap to Christian maturity, which we're moving toward a place. I'm writing some stuff on this, and I've taught some things on it. But I'm telling you, once you become a Christ follower, you're baptized, you got to become a dedicated disciple. Most believers never go through systematic discipleship. They never study the foundations, if you will. Uh, Our statement of faith pretty much is structured and recognizes a foundation of what we believe in the Bible. Have you studied baptisms? Have you studied the grace of God for your life? Have you studied faith? Have you studied sanctification? Have you studied propitiation? Have you studied all those big words of theology? They're like, what does that mean? Exactly. And the, and the more we study that out, the more we understand this walk we have with Christ. And let me say this, the more we come under the anointing. So it's not meant to keep shepherds. When I say they're, they're guard, they guard the body of Christ. They're the love gift. And let me say that every one of those giftings are meant to love and guard the body of Christ. But let me, let me say this, a pastor gifting, say gifting. So gifting, an office, if you will, of of anointing, a a shepherd, a pastor, a true pastor, here's what happens. You're probably not going to get them up here preaching too fiery, but I'll tell you what they'll do. They will sit with you when you're going through the hardest times, and they will listen to what you're going through. Now, when I listen to people in what we would call uh, pastoral counseling, my mind is working towards something that most men work this way in life. But, but in my gift mix, I tend to be like structure. Well, here's what's wrong. If you just do this, it'll all be good. Anyone? And so about the fifth time you're telling me the same story and your life isn't changing, uh, then I'm kind of like, hey, look, you know, if you're not willing to do what's necessary, it's never going to change. And people go, well, that's not very pastoral. <laughs> right or wrong, come on. It's like, man, pastor, he's mean. It's like, I'm not mean, I just want to see you find freedom. I want to see you walk in the anointing and the authority and the power of God's spirit according to his word. And oftentimes what happens is, is we get stuck in offenses or we get stuck in a rut. Can you say rut? Say rut. Have you ever been in a rut? A rut is a grave with no end, just so you know. It offers nothing but death and destruction for your life. People can sit and sulk over the same thing over and over and over and over for years of their life. I've sat with people where, where it's, this story is told 10 years ago and you're here and all of a sudden they're telling the same thing and they're stuck in the same place. and Not experiencing everything that God has for them through the anointing. Let me say a shepherd will love you in those hardest times without question. I've done that with people. I'm not saying that I don't love on people or I don't pastor people. But but let me say where it separates for me. There are some who are gifted in pastoral ministry they could sit with somebody who's elderly and they'll tell about their cat and the hairballs they coughed up, and you know, they're talking about everything that's going on with their their pet or whatever. And my mind, my mind is just literally in a meltdown. I'm sitting there like, uh-huh, uh-huh and I'm compassionate, and I'm loving, and you understand you choose to do things sometimes that don't naturally flow for you because it's the right thing to do. But I'm thinking about this. How can I develop more leaders? How can I uh, develop more communicators for the kingdom of God? How can I equip the saints to go out and share the gospel of Jesus Christ? How can I help the church to experience its best life as a result of unlocking and releasing what's inside of every one of you. Because let me say this inside of every one of you is someone else's life transformed and changed because of your anointing. And let me say it this way: is six months from now, this place could be packed and it's gotta go to two sir. So oh, all pastor cares about is growing the church. Well, do I want it to die? Do I want it to decrease? God forbid, do you want me to want that as your pastor? No. Let me tell you the power of the church is found in every anointing sitting in this room. Use your anointing to impact people's lives for the kingdom of God because their life may not be impacted any other way if you don't. See, that's what I would say. We've got to have a burden for souls. I don't care what gifting you are. I don't care what, uh, what career field you're in. That God has intended for every single one of us, having experienced the love of Christ, to take that love and share it with the world because I don't know about you, but when I get out there and I'm uh, going about uh, my day, I see a lot of people that are broken and hurting that Christ wants to mend. Amen? Got to finish it. The, the teacher. This is the part of sound doctrine. Uh, Pastor Warren, if you haven't hear, heard him teach, Pastor Warren is more of a, of a teacher. There's going to be. A laid back more calm presentation of it and what he's going to do is he's going to lay it out with facts and he's going to talk softly and 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 he's going to speak to you in a way that has a lot of compassion and a, you know i'll say to him sometimes you know hey don't whisper so much and it could be said to me don't yell so much <laughs> right um you know all those things as they play out it's our giftings and then there's our personality can you say amen some things are personality. Know that when you have those moments, like I didn't really like that, that's probably my personality. When you have those moments in a sermon where you're like, oh man, that really, that really hit. I mean, that was good. That was good for me. That's the Holy Spirit. You get what I'm saying here? Is that I would love to be perfect, wouldn't you? No? I think all of us would love to be perfect, but all of us know we're not, correct? So you're gonna have things that'll come out of me And what's going to happen, some of that's going to be me. And then there's going to be where the Spirit, because what am I doing? I am, can I yield to what the Spirit is doing? Can I hear what the Spirit is speaking to the church? And can I let that flow through me? In the midst of that, you get to experience a little bit of me, hopefully, and a whole lot of Jesus coming out of me, because he'll move you. I always say this about books I read, anything that comes from another person, you're going to get... Meat and bone. How many of you eat a chicken leg and you're like, just bite into it and you start gnawing through the bone while you're eating it? Nobody. So eat the meat and spit out the bones. Don't find yourself, oh my gosh, I can't believe this sermon's got bone in it. Well, you know, there's a bone head in it, so you're probably going to get a little bone. (laughs) All right. I covered all of them. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. There's anointings to equip you in your anointing to do the work of the ministry. So that we grow up and we come under the head, the anointed one. And we do exactly what God has called us to do with this life that he's given us, amen? I want to take you as fast as I can (laughs) in our series, A New Anointing. A new anointing. Let me say it this way, a fresh anointing that alters the atmosphere. A fresh anointing that alters the atmosphere around you. Now, to understand the anointing a bit is to go to where, where we see the anointing oil being prepared, and this is out of Exodus. This is Moses. They're establishing the priesthood. They're, they have a congregation. They're establishing the priesthood. They're going to set Aaron, set a man over the congregation, and his sons, and, if you will, sons and daughters after him, his sons after him that are in ministry. Now, I say this to you, that you, say, I am a royal priesthood. And a chosen generation you're called to minister to God called to minister to him and as you minister to the Lord what he does is he uses you under his anointing to effect change in other people's lives that they too would come into that walk of loving of ministering to the Lord amen but going back to Exodus 30 23 through 24 is where we start and we see where the anointing oil is made also take For yourselves, quality spices, 500 shekels of liquid myrrh, half as much sweet-smelling cinnamon, 250 shekels, 250 shekels of sweet-smelling cane, 500 shekels of cassia, according to the shekel of the sanctuary, and a hen of olive oil. A hen was six quarts. Six quarts of oil, these spices, everything was mixed together. It was a fresh uh, o- anointing oil that was to be used to anoint Aaron. It was going to be poured on Aaron's head. You've heard me refer to that so many times that I'll refer again in a moment out of Psalms 133. That the oil is poured upon Aaron and it goes down. And his sons after him are anointed after him. Go to go to Exodus 30, 29 through 33. You get that there was specifics to that and I think you would understand that that first part that, that those specifics, those spices, all of that, there would be a fragrance from that, isn't that correct? A sweet-smelling fragrance. Exodus 30, 29-33. You shall consecrate them, that they may, excuse me, that they be most holy. That they be most holy. Whatever touches them must be holy. And you shall anoint Aaron and his sons and consecrate them, that they may minister to me as priest. And you shall speak to the children of Israel, saying... This shall be a holy anointing oil to me throughout your generations. It shall not be poured on man's flesh. Now mark that in your mind. That oil was not to be poured on man's flesh. It's it's an indicator that the anointing doesn't come on fleshly acts. The anointing comes on something that's been consecrated, set aside, set apart, sanctified unto the Lord's work. Let me go on. It shall not be poured on man's flesh, nor shall you make any other like it. According to its composition, it is holy and it shall be holy to you. Now, what's that saying? There's no substitutes. You make this anointing oil the way that I determined it's made. Let me say, you can't substitute. Look at me. You cannot substitute the Holy Spirit in your life. That is where your anointing comes from. And you can't substitute it with anything else. You can't substitute it with an education. You can't substitute it with other people's approval. You can't substitute it with, with uh, your successes. The Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit alone is meant to come upon you, to fill you, and to anoint you. Now, I will submit to you that the difference between this passage and what we'll read coming up is that it could not be put on flesh, but God says that he'll pour his spirit out upon what? All flesh. It, shall, it, it is holy and it shall be holy to you. Whoever compounds any like it or whoever puts any, in other words, what this is, is whoever does this and creates a counterfeit and puts any of it on an outsider shall be cut off from his people. That's put to death. That's the law, folks. The Old Testament, if they were to do that and to create anything that was in the composition of that or try to create a substitute to it. Or that they were ta- to take the real article and put it on an outsider. What does that mean? The Holy Spirit will not come upon something that's not set apart, sanctified. See, let me say this. It's the moment that we decide in our heart, we believe in our heart, and we confess our, with our mouth, Jesus Christ is Lord. We accept Christ's sacrifice that all of a sudden, let me say this, you're made holy. All your sins are exchanged For his righteousness, when he died on the cross, he died for sin once and for all. And when he did that, the moment that you believe that his sacrifice, he was a substitute for you. Come on. That what happens through that uh, grace by faith, that you have faith in the work of Christ. And it doesn't work without having faith. It's like, well, you know, sure. I believe there's a God or something out there. No, no, no. Jesus Christ. There's no other name given under heaven whereby we must be saved. But the name of Jesus Christ. And so when we come to that place, we are now set apart. We're made holy, and the Holy Spirit, the anointing, comes upon our life. Why? Because we've submitted ourselves under Christ. We are under the head of the church, the one who made it all possible. Can you say amen? Anoint means to smear or rub oil, or rub with oil, means to smear or rub with oil. That means nothing's left untouched by it. When you're filled with the Holy Spirit, right, it's not like, well, just this part of me and the Holy Spirit, you know, it's like my mind's not touched by him, but my heart is. No, every part of you is filled with the Holy Spirit. He indwells you. And what happens? So give me. let me give you this word, So anoint is to smear, to rub with oil, or to saturate, let me say it that way. Atmosphere, a surrounding influence or set of conditions. The anointing will alter your atmosphere. It'll change your atmosphere. If it's unspiritual, it will become spiritual. If if you're in a situation, let me say this, that the anointing of Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ uh, uh, from Nazareth, who was anointed by the Holy Spirit, went about healing all who are sick and oppressed by the devil. The anointing is what made that possible. He was anointed without measure. We're anointed with measure. We have giftings that God has given us, but when we're under him, he's the anointed one, and we receive an anointing that we're meant to go minister in. Can you say amen? So let me give you some attributes of the anointing. First, it must be the right amount. Now you saw six quarts is what that actually was, A hen. Six quarts. It was a specific amount. It was enough that when it's poured out, it completely saturates. It, it It's rubbed on, it's all over. you got to think of being a sheep, and a, a shepherd would pour oil on the head of the sheep, and it would run down, and get into his ears, and what it did is kept insects from crawling in, and, right? It, it kept the sheep, right, safe from, I want to say this, the worms, the insects, and for us, it's the demons. It's it, Think about the anointing. Because it's what the Psalm 23 says. He anoints my head with oil. And he anoints my head with oil so that my mind is filled with the right thoughts. Even in, in the worst circumstances of my life, I know this. The God is for me. He's not against me. I've been in some hard circumstances. I've been in those places. Even I I go back to when we lived in Ohio and I'm in my 20s and I was in a backslidden state. Angie defines it as a season. Is this the season that I lived in then? It's a season from Angie's perspective that I grew horns. Anybody know what that means? (laughs) You're a devil. I was angry. I was just filled with anger and, and hate and malice over stuff that I'd encountered and dealt with, even hurting the church. And it's like, Man, I don't want anything to do with that. And you know, well, can we go to church for Easter? We go to church for Easter. Somebody walk up to me and go, are you a preacher? And I'm like, gosh, help me. Go to the next, I'm not like, going back to that church. We go to another church, uh, you know, a couple months later, we go to that church and they walk up, are you a pastor? And I'm like, "I got no, I'm not. And we we would leave and I'd say, we're not going back to that church. And we went through what, four churches, I think it was. And then Easter came and she goes, honey, I, look, Here's Angie's statement to me, too, because I'm wrestling through offenses and all this kind of stuff that I'd been hurt by uh, a leader in the church, and, and what ends up happening is I'm sitting there, God, you know, any, anybody pray your prayers like, you know, Lord, I pray for them, and I pray, right, that their wheel flies off their car going 55 miles an hour down the road. You know that song? God, I pray you get him. God, I pray you Uh, you know take vengeance on him you say vengeance is yours you'll, you'll repay my prayer is God repay him for his sins God's like well how would you feel if I repaid you for yours yeah let's talk about that Lord I'm thinking that we might change the way I pray that prayer but see I was so hurt and so offended the bitterness would spew out of me and what happens is she said to me one time I'm like I'm not going to church anymore and she said you're not going to keep me from worshiping my God (laughs) <laughs> Let just say that uh. oh yeah it pierced hard like I'm coming between her and the Lord now think about it I'm her headship we're not going to church I'm directing where we're going to go see I'm the apostle, prophet, uh, uh, evangelist, pastor and teacher of my household in a sense right I'm priest, prophet and king right I'm meant to lead my family well under the Lord but I'm out from under the Lord, and I'm mad at the Lord, and I'm fighting with the Lord. Any you argue with God? and you have arguments? Like, why? Here's what God did to me in that time. When I'm fighting, I'm fighting. She says that things started to move in the spirit. She's praying for me. I tell her, stop praying for me. I'd go to work, and I'd, I was working in iron workers. You know, those are steel rods. If you ever see the highways and how they do those steel rods, and they pour, you know, the, the overpasses and all that kind of stuff um, Paul Brown football stadium, the Bengals football stadium, I put hundreds of caissons, they call them, these circular steel that the rods are tied together and lowered lowered into this opening and and they pour these caissons, why, it's on the river and so those concrete pillars keep that foundation stable and thousands, or hundreds and hundreds of those things we tied and put in there. But I'm on a bridge deck and I literally, uh, in Indiana, I'm on a bridge deck on a highway and, and I'm tying, you've been over all day long, and I'm just tying rods. In the spirit of God, let me say the anointing. Somebody say the anointing. Somebody say fresh, new anointing. I'm tying those rods, and I remember it like it was yesterday, and I'm tying those things, and I literally feel the presence of God sit down on me, just come upon me. The anointing comes upon me as I'm tying and I begin to weep, Tear, you ever cry, you know, if the Lord ever touch you in a hard moment, tears just pop it out of my eyes, man, I'm just tying down through there and they're just boom, 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 and a laborer comes up, so you understand the spirit wars against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit, and my spirit was fighting, but my flesh was fighting, my flesh was winning, Angie is praying, she's got a bunch of folks praying for me, And God's presence sets down on me. And as the psalmist said, I could make my bed in hell, but I can't get away from the presence of the Lord. If I make my bed in hell, he said, you are there. You can go that's still there, and he'll never leave you or forsake you. And he's always going to work at drawing you unto him. But you got to respond. Say respond. If you respond to the anointing, I promise you the yoke will break and the burden will lift. So here's my response that day. I'm tying rods. I'm crying. (laughs) God. Why do you do this to me? Just leave me alone. I don't want to be a pastor. I don't want to be in ministry. I just want to just leave me alone. Now I'm not yelling that at that time because they would probably take me to the mental hospital. <laughs> but as I'm tying, a laborer comes up and he asks me a question and I just I kind of look up at him and tears just streaming. Of course, you know when you cry like that, it's you know it's visible. And then he goes what's your deal you big baby well remember my spirit is warring against the flesh and the flesh against the spirit and this is not a happy moment let me tell you but I, I i want you to hear it from this standpoint of how far you can go if you go out from under the anointing and so i'm doing that i'm kind of half bent over he says that and i got pliers in my hand i'm tying with and they're kind of they're woven. if you thought about brass knuckles just think that way and I'm sitting there and I'm like, whack. And I undercut him, and boop lands on the deck, knocked him out, and I just kept on tying. The general foreman comes up. You know, they get him and you know, they come up to him, what's going on with you? And I look up at him, and he goes, Are you okay? I said, Not really, but I'm just trying to work and he's messing with me and you know, I'm not gonna put up with it. And he goes, Okay, we'll just keep. I was I was like one of if my uncle was the fastest tire, and he and I would be on a bridge that you race. I won the, the apprenticeship uh, for Local 372 in, in Cincinnati, Ohio, because I was one of the fastest tires. Um, and when you're talking about tying rods, it's wire. And I'm talking, man, you know, you got one per second kind of thing going on. And, 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 and so I was the second fastest, really, tire of rods. So they're not going to get rid of me because I'm getting a lot done. Let me say you average about a ton and a half to two tons a man per day. I was averaging about three tons of iron. That means you're carrying it in, packing it, laying it down, tying it up. So, so they didn't kick me off the job. They kept me and told him to stay away from me. You know, um, I was fortunate in that because obviously the cops could have called me and, or come out and I would have been arrested. Well, I go home and that's the time where I told Angie, stop praying for me. And she said, I'm not going to stop praying for you. You're going to repent. You're going to get your heart right. And I, and, and I got others. We're all praying for you, Derek. And you're not going to get away from what God said. I'm not going to be in ministry. I am not going to do it. So she talks me into going to church he, on the Easter. Girls all dressed up in nice cute dresses. You know how it is. You want to go. Nice photos on Easter. And uh, so we go to church. And I'm sitting there. Now nobody came up and said, are you a pastor at that church? Praise God. But that day, the pastor preached about Jonah. Does anybody know the story of Jonah? Right? Running from the Lord. I'm not doing it, Lord. I'm not going. So he's preaching on this, and he, he's, he's laying it out really good, and he gets to the point and he says, do we have any Jonas in here? Man, this is what I'm saying about, he had his personality and way of delivering things, but when he was speaking the word of God, there was things that were just like, I can't even tell you, piercing my heart. And it's like they said on the day of Pentecost, when Peter got up and spoke, right? And it cut them to the quick. It got in there. It got in there and it challenged me to want to change. It challenged me to want to come back under the head of the church and walk in the anointing that he decided would be placed upon me for my life. And that was kind of the beginning of walking back into what I do today. But I'll tell you, he said, "Do we have any Jonas?" And I'm like, raise my hand. Now, let me say, there are times you understand that that your amen. There's there's an aspect of dialogue, but for a message to be succinct, you can't interrupt the the preacher all the time and say, "Oh yeah," and da da da. You know. So some people make comments where you're like, and you know, you'll see me just go on. Well, that day I raised my hand, and all the thoughts that he had were gone. He went, uh, well. Tell you what, um, we'll make sure we pray at at for you at the end of service. Where was I? He goes back, he gets back on track and he continues to preach. But what it was for me, see, that I, that I knew if I looked into the mirror of the word as James says, that when the anointing upon that gift is speaking into my life, that it's cutting me to my, it's convicting me that I need to change. And I need to come back under the Lord. And I need to fulfill what God had called me to do. I didn't know the road that lied ahead on that. I just knew that that day I needed to make a change that God was calling me to. And I did. I decided that day, God, whatever you want. Whatever you want, I'm yours. And I began to, I read the word, but I began to read the word again from a standpoint of What is this speaking to me? Where is the Spirit of God guiding me with the gifts that God has given me to not only alter my life and my family's life, but any life that I may touch, that I'll be able to speak the word of life into them. Can you say amen? I didn't leave anything undone in that story, did I? Listen to this. It it must be the right amount. Psalm 133 and 2. It's like the precious oil upon Aaron's head running down on his beard. The beard of Aaron running down on the edge of his garments. That's everything. It's complete. Joel 2 28 through 29. And it shall come to pass afterward that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your old men shall dream dreams. Your young men shall see visions. And also on my men servants and on my maid servants i will pour out my spirit in those days that's no one will be left untouched that that anointing will be rubbed on you by the spirit of god coming down and anointing you for what he's called you to do and i might say so that you might have peace you might have joy in your life you got to understand all the promises of god that are yes and amen is under the head of the church. You can't receive by being out from under. You can only receive by being under. Because Jesus is the Aaron, the high priest for us, see. The oil that, the, he's the anointed one. And the oil of anointing that comes upon him runs down upon his beard. What is that? And I want to say this, that in a local church, there's a zikon, the bearded one is a zikon. He speaks forth the direction and the word of God. But let me, let me deepen that for you. Anyone who will open their mouth to declare Jesus the head of the church, to declare the gospel of Jesus Christ becomes a zikon for the Lord. The anointing then, watch, will flow down on those that are in your life. Why? Because it's not been there. But through your words, they all of a sudden begin to believe. And by belief, they align under the Lord and the anointing begins to flow upon their life as well. You have been anointed by God. I want to say that no part of your life should be left untouched by the anointing, spirit, mind, soul, body. Every bit of you should be uh, touched by the anointing. Second, it must be. So the attributes of anointing, it must be fresh. Psalms 92 and 10 is from the Amplified Bible. I am anointed with fresh oil for your service. I'm anointed for God's service. 2 Corinthians 1.21 now, he who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us in, is God, who also has sealed us and given us the Spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. Be filled, not once with the Holy Spirit, but continually. Amen? So, so it must be the right amount. That's everything. Completely filled with the Holy Spirit. It must be fresh. You need it every day. You don't need it Yesterday. You need it today because you can't do anything about yesterday. You can only do something about today. And if you take that step today, then tomorrow you're walking in the anointing and you just continue to ask God to lead you and guide you in his calling on your life. Amen. Third, here it comes. (sighs) Things don't happen the way we always want them to happen. Can Can I get an amen on that? They don't always happen the way we want them to happen. But I want you to know that if you'll get under Christ, if you'll come under him, then what will happen is, is that he will direct you in the path that he set before you. And while there are difficult things you may deal with, the reality is, is he'll bring you out of that exactly the way that he wants you to be. Maybe not the way you want it to be, but trust me, God's way in the midst of any difficulty or complication in your life, becomes a testimony of how he's still there. And how is he still there? Because you don't get out from under him because of the situation. You know, look at the situation. Well, God's not here. No, God is there. Stay under him and deal with your situation and walk through your situation and he'll bring you through whole, not living in a rut, not living, if you will, in that place of offense or regret. So third, it changes I don't know why it says it that way. Does it say it that way up there? It changes the changes, the atmosphere. It shouldn't say it that way. I don't know what the world happened there. It changes the atmosphere. It changes the atmosphere around it. I see, I doubled that somehow. Isaiah 10, 27 says, it shall come to pass in that day that his burden, come on, his burden will be taken away from your shoulders and his yoke from your neck. This is referring to your enemy, the devil, How he can get down on you and yoke you into a place of regret or depression. He can yoke you in a place of where you just don't feel like you can continue forward. But I want you to know the anointing will always move you forward. And it'll be, listen, and the yoke will be destroyed because of the anointing oil. That's the Holy Spirit. So listen, a fresh anointing does something that nothing, nothing else can do in your life. Nothing else can do what a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit can do. It breaks the yoke and it lifts your burden. Now, look up here for a moment. I'm going to wrap this up. But I want to ask you something. Is there anything that you're carrying that's heavy on your life? It's a burden on your life and you feel like it's more than you can bear. Is there a yoke? Is there something in your life that you just can't break away from? It's like when I was over in this place and I'm offended and I'm walking in that, I couldn't break away from that. And Angie praying for me started to, to manifest the anointing of God on me, not because I was under, but because she was under and there was other people who were under who were interceding for me, standing in the gap for me, and God was working on me. And we need that, saints. Can you say amen? We need that in our life. But is there a burden and there's, is there a yoke in your life today? I want you to know that Jesus can break it and he can lift that burden. 2 Corinthians 121 says, now he who establishes us with you in Christ. And has anointed us in God. He has anointed us in God. 1 John 20, 20. Or 2, 20. But you have an anointing from the Holy One. And you know all things. Wow. Do you ever feel like you don't know everything? Do you ever feel like you don't know what to do? God does. And the anointing will reveal that to you. So that all of those things going on around you or in you can submit themselves to His Lordship and be made right by the anointing of the Holy Spirit in your life. Let me say, a fresh anointing alters the atmosphere. It alters the atmosphere around you. The way that the anointing oil was made with all those spices, when that anointing oil was poured out, the whole room was filled with fragrance. It was filled with the fragrance of God in that place. When the Holy Spirit comes, you know it. You know when He's upon you. And working in you and in that place I want to say there is there's a fragrance of change there's a fragrance of something different in your atmosphere the things that are going on around you I want to say that it alters your atmosphere it alters in our prayer in our study of the Bible It alters the atmosphere in our spirit in our perspective See, when I was going through all of that, I was asking why all the time. Why? God, why? Why the, Why did he do? Why this? Why that? Why, why, why was the thing constantly coming out of my mouth? And God said, stop asking why and ask me what now? Hmm, that boom, and I knew, okay, God, what now? That's the past. That happened. But what now? And I needed his guidance for the future. Can you say amen? It altered my perspective. It alters uh, the atmosphere in, in our family. It alters the atmosphere in our marriage. It alters the atmosphere in our career. It alters the atmosphere in our finances. It alters the atmosphere in our relationships. And it alters our expectation of what God can do. So, here's what we need to do. We need to confront the enemy of a fresh anointing and alter our atmosphere. Confront the enemy of a fresh anointing in your life and alter your atmosphere. Romans tells us to confront the, fr- the flesh. Confront the flesh. Romans 8, 5-8. For those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. For to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity or the enemy against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Now think about that, right? How, what, what is it that pleases God? Faith. It takes faith to please God. I believe that God is for me, not against me. I align myself under him. No matter what I think about anything else, I want to bring every thought captive that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. And see, you have an anointing from the Holy One, from God, and you know all things. So what is that saying is that the knowledge that I want is the knowledge of God so that I'm able to walk in the anointing that he's given me, no matter the circumstances around me. You could have said amen there, I think. Listen to Galatians 3.3 and I'm wrapping up here. Are you so foolish having begun in the spirit? Are you now being made perfect by the flesh? We get to walking with God and we love God and we trust God and then things happen and all of a sudden we start to pick it back up and we want to figure it out ourselves. And the reality is, is that what we need is we need God in our life all the more. We don't need to return to the flesh. We need to Pursue after the Spirit. If you're writing notes, write this down. Doing life under the flesh brings heavy regret. Doing a life under the flesh will bring heavy regret. And so you can know it pretty easy. If you have, man, I just wish I didn't do this, or I wish they wouldn't do that, or, and you're living in that regret place, let me say you're in the flesh. But doing life under the anointing brings heavenly results. You walk under the anointing and the power of God's spirit in your life. It will bring heavenly results for you at every turn. I won't say at the time you always want it. But I'll say if you remain consistently under Jesus, the head of the church, and you look to him, the one who is the author. Say that with me. The author and the finisher of my faith. Stand your feet as I read this final scripture. Just look up at me for a moment. I want to say before I read this, everybody has burdens and everybody has yokes in their life, whatever they are. I want you to know this that God wants to take it off of you, He wants to lift that burden off of you. He wants to snap that yoke, that thing that pulls you a direction that you know is pulling you away and out from under the Lord. He wants to break that yoke off of you by His anointing today, so that you can live fully the life that Christ died on the cross to give you. And as we live fully the life that Christ has given us, it'll impact the people around us. Why? Because they'll look at you. It's that whole thing. It's like, what's different about you? I've walked in a room before where it's you ever walked in and there's stuff going on? You walk in and it's like the whole atmosphere changes. People telling dirty jokes and cutting up and doing things like, you know, and you walk in and they're like, oop. Why is that? Because you're walking under the Holy One and there's an anointing on your life that changes the atmosphere that you walk into. This is what John 6.63 says. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are Spirit and they are life. The anointing of the Holy Spirit on you will bring life at every turn, no matter your circumstances. See, When I say at every turn, you understand to repent. I told you a number of weeks ago that repentance, we'll see it as, it's like a word, like, oh, I I don't really like that word because it means, you know, that I'm bad or something. No, no, repentance is a gift. It means that you're invited to be like Christ. So it it means that you have to turn. It's a 180. It's like I'm turning from this and I'm going to walk towards this walk in your anointing i challenge you today if you don't know it please reach out to me pastor warren angie crystal reach out to the team let us know like i want to know what my anointing is because i want i will say this you can discover your anointing it's not something god's trying to hide from you it is in his word and it comes by following after the spirit if you don't know how to do that i want you to know that that's not hard either And we can help you to understand the steps to take to do that. I want to pray for you today. Here's what I'm going to ask. Bow your head, close your eyes, lift your hands to heaven. Please do that. Bow your head, close your eyes, lift your hands to heaven. Lift those hands to receive from God today. Heavenly Father, right now in Jesus' name, we all stand before you in honor. God glorifying your name. Lord, help us to understand, Father God, to come under you. To take those steps, Father, to remain under Jesus, to honor and glorify and love. That as we do, Father, the anointing of the Holy Spirit, let it come upon your people, Father. I pray your presence fill their homes. I pray, God, that as they go, the anointing would rest upon them. And that when they walk into places, Lord God, who they are and who they know changes the atmosphere around them. God, the anointing, without question, that it would break every yoke and lift every burden, Lord God, upon your people. In Jesus' precious name. And Lord, I pray that above all things, we would follow after your spirit. In Jesus' name. And everyone in the house of the Lord this morning said amen. God bless you. Thank you for allowing me the extra time this morning.